It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. It's going to be a big hour coming your way. We're going to be joined by Susan Lee, one of the brightest economic minds uh, on Fox Business. She's going to be giving us an idea about your personal economy as well as the state of the economy. And, uh, and there is other news on that front. Also, Lieutenant Colonel Alan West. Now Matthew McConaughey won't be in his way. He just has one governor standing in his way to the current governor to be the next governor of Texas. And he's got to take on Beto O'Rourke. How does he feel about that? We'll discuss that. And, of course, Afghanistan, as well as the possible invasion of the Ukraine by the Russians, who is already rattling the cage of that country, and so much more, who, tried, who by the way, tested a hypersonic missile uh, yesterday. Not bad. What else is going on? Uh, let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. Joe Biden met with Hunter's business partners from Mexico, from Ukraine, from Russia, from China. He met them at the vice presidential home. The idea that he didn't know anything about Hunter Biden's business dealings is just so farcical. It is, but no one paid attention, and we knew it back then. But Miranda Devine's bringing her book forward and with more allegation. Hunter's laptop speaks and is talking a lot about Joe, most of which we knew about. The rest of the press take note because the big guy is now president, and his soft touch with China as president makes one wonder what he gave up that he might be giving back. Number two. The vaccines will continue to provide a degree of protection against severe disease. And as additional protections... Please wear your mask when you're indoors, in public settings, around other people. Forget it. Uh, You're not doing it, Joe. We already saw the front page of the New York Post and video to boot. You sitting there in front of a sign that said mask up without a mask on. Joe's words and actions come back to haunt him as his brutal criticism of the Trump travel ban and his mockery of those who won't wear a mask blows up in his bare face as he's caught, as I just said. This is Dr. in Chief. Anthony Fauci gets the fight he asked for as Senators Cruz and Paul fire back at his pompous proclamations. Number one. This is no time for Donald Trump's record of hysteria and xenophobia. So what changed? Well, I would say first to put it in full context, Peter, what the president was critical of was the way that the former president put out, I believe, a xenophobic tweet. No, not at all. Uh, Jen Psaki trying to spin the fact that candidate Joe Biden ripped President Trump for an hysterical travel ban. So let's not pretend it won't kill us. Meanwhile, when it comes to the Omicron omnipotent strain, so far it gives mild symptoms and it may or may not evade the vaccine. We'll find out about it. But meanwhile, the market crashed 900 points. Right now it's down 300 points. Meanwhile, the president didn't even rush back for vacation And he canceled a supply chain meeting yesterday. He was supposed to have a press conference to talk about everything he's doing to attack the supply chain, which attacks everything that we're discussing for the holidays and for small businesses, big businesses on down, unless you're Walmart or Target and have your own planes, your own ships. So Joe Biden speaks out. He's always about boost. You knew this. Boosters and vaccines, boosters and vaccines, even though one of the main things that South African uh, doctor said is it kind of evades the vaccine. Okay. Let's listen. Cut one. 
This variant is a cause for concern, not a cause for panic. And we'll fight this variant with scientific and, and knowledgeable actions and speed, not chaos and confusion. And we have more tools today to fight the variant than we've ever had before. Because of Donald Trump. From vaccines to boosters to vaccines for children. Right. Fantastic. They come in the, uh, the Flintstone flavors. So here's the thing with uh, President Biden. You know whatever he's going to say, that was going to be it. He doesn't talk about, I didn't know this, the twenty to 30,000 people that lost their jobs in New York because of his ridiculous mandates. Now, the private businesses, that one got held up by the courts. And more good news in the courts because the courts fired back on him and stopped him in 14 states thanks to a lawsuit uh, that stopped his mandates from firing people because people should make their own choice about the vaccine. We don't buy this whole thing that if you're unvaccinated, easier to spread because we see all these breakthrough cases, many of which end up like Lieutenant Colonel Allen West's wife uh, in the hospital. So what did Joe Biden say? Remember, Saturday, he said, starting on Monday, we're banning anyone from traveling to America from eight nations in Africa. Is that racist? Is it racist to ban a country because they reported some small numbers of a strain of a vac- of a of a coronavirus that gives mild symptoms. Well, flash back to President candidate Joe Biden when President Trump said, "Hey, you know what? I'm going to ban all travel from China." Quote: "We are in the midst of a crisis with the coronavirus. We need to lead the way with science, not Donald Trump's record of hysteria, xenophobia, and fear mongering. He's the worst possible person to lead our country through a global health emergency." Oh, isn't that nice? Why? Xenophobia? Because you're trying to ban a country that won't even be honest with us and tell us how this virus started, where it came from? Then presidential candidate Joe Biden, he goes on, tweets, Trump further diminished the U.S. in the eyes of the world by expanding his travel ban. This new African ban is designed to make it harder for the black and brown people to immigrate to the United States. It's a disgrace. We cannot let him succeed. I don't know. I have not seen and been to any of those African nations, but I believe there's black and brown people there. Did they suddenly change color or is something different now, a different approach to the same virus, which is clearly we know more about it to the point where we can identify a strain ahead of time. We're all on the same page globally. We're providing vaccines internationally. And yet President Trump who is trying to get ahead of this because his WHO and CDC left him naked and Anthony Fauci stabbed him in the back constantly, then you have candidates from their basement tweeting out ridiculous things like that. How bad does he look now? Black and brown people. It's not black or brown. It's people. And that's the point. I would never bring it up if President Biden didn't lay the groundwork to continue to sow doubt and distrust because a president had to ban certain nations from traveling to our country because we just didn't know where this virus was going. So when pressed on why the president's not wearing a mask in a place that demands masks, when pressed why the president will ban countries when he criticized the president from uh, President Trump for banning travel to countries, here's what President here's what Jen Psaki said yesterday, cut for. We saw the president shopping indoors on Saturday behind glass that says face covering required, but his face was uncovered. Why? 
I, the president is uh, somebody who follows uh, the, the recommendations and the advice of the CDC. I don't know what the circumstances were of that particular moment. He was shopping in a store, and on the glass outside it said face covering required, and we could see him inside, and his face was uncovered. Well, again, Peter, our recommendation and advice continues to be for people to wear uh, masks when they are required in establishments. I don't know what this establishment was. The president obviously follows the health, the advice of his health and medical team. Right. Uh, obviously. So she has no answer. And because the president embarrassed her again. And to cancel, so to have this meeting at about 11, 12 o'clock yesterday, and to say, okay, this is the, this is the, the Omicron virus. Okay, fine. Uh, variant. Okay, fine. Well, coming up at 345, you have a roundtable, and that roundtable included a lot of prestigious companies. I believe Etsy was there. I believe uh, Walmart was there. I believe Best Buy was there. And some other big companies were there, and they're talking about the supply chain. They have a meeting, and he goes, we're calling off the press conference. Why? Why are you calling it off? Because the number one issue for these holidays is, are my, pre- are my presents going to get delivered? And for pharmaceutical companies, are we going to get the medicine off the ships? So if you don't have an answer to that question, then tell us why or what you're doing about it. And if you don't have an answer to that question, what are you doing in that job? And then to cancel the press conference, I'll tell you what, this is junior high school stuff. They're supposed to be the adults are back in the room. They don't cancel a press conference on the most pressing issue in the country and what affects our economy more than anything else. I don't believe. We'll find out from Lieutenant Colonel Alan West. Then uh, we'll take your calls at one 408 7669 Keep in mind... President and Freedom Fighter is now out and still out. Thanks for keeping it in the top 10 of the country in the New York Times list. I'm going to be in Ponte Vedra on Friday and Clearwater on Saturday. And then I'm in McLean, Virginia on Sunday. Just go to BrianKillMe.com. You'll find out where exactly I'll be because I'll be in Tulsa. I'll be in Texas. I'll be in Dayton. I'll be in Cincinnati. That is just off the top of my head, as well as Amelia Island, which is kind of close to where I'm going to be on Friday night, which is in the Jacksonville area. You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. Don't move. Coming to you on a need-to-know basis, because, man, do you need to know. You're with Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, Fox News contributor and editor of the Transom.com daily newsletter. And I'm inviting you to join a conversation every week. It's the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. A talk show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. As a simple kid born in the little town of Uvalde, Texas, it never occurred to me that I would one day be considered for political leadership. It's a humbling and inspiring path to ponder. It is also a path that I'm choosing not to take at this moment. What am I going to do? I'm going to continue to work and invest the bounty I have by supporting entrepreneurs, businesses, and foundations that I believe are leaders. And maybe that clears the way for Alan West to run away with this thing because Matthew McConaughey was uh, leading everybody in the polls. Lieutenant Colonel Alan West, any surprise that Matthew McConaughey, as you run to get your governor, uh, you run to be to get the Republican nomination and become governor, uh, any surprise he won't run? Well, it's good to be with you, Brian. Hopefully you had a, a great Thanksgiving and happy Hanukkah and Merry Christmas to everyone. Uh, no surprises, because I think there was a lot more hype to this than there was uh, an actual uh, run for governor from Mr. McConaughey. Uh, again, I think that he sat back and allowed a lot of uh, publicity to build around this. And now he's talking about, you know, supporting entrepreneurs, supporting, you know, schools and things of this nature. So I look forward to working with him on some of those endeavors, because we 
we saw a lot of our small businesses really get hit in the shorts last year, and we know some of the things we need to do with our schools. we got to get back to critical thinking and also developing the next generation of uh, people that can go out there and work and making sure that Texas has a thriving economy and not people that are going to end up being baristas at Starbucks. I'll tell you what, they can't even get them. I, I was at Barnes & Noble where I signed my book, and I said, how, how are you staffed? He goes, well, I got staff. I can't get anyone to work the Starbucks in the bookstore. Wow. So, I mean, well, I mean again, it's unbelievable. Yeah, when you, got government, you got government competing with small business owners. I mean, paying people almost, you know, this living wage of $15 an hour. And so what do uh, small business owners have to do and franchisees, franchisors have to do? They have to up their, uh, their hourly wage. And for many of them, they can't do that because their profit margins are so tight. And so I look forward to sitting down and talking with someone like a Matthew McConaughey and talking about how we can make sure that we don't see small businesses in our entrepreneurs in competition with the government who all they have to do to generate capital is raise taxes and i think that's what we see happening with all of these infrastructure bills and and the build back better plan well that's interesting uh colonel west the other thing that's happening right now is this omicron strain of this virus mm-hmm. how do you think the president's handled it on monday i'm going to ban eight african nations really yeah. on monday it's that much of an emergency and yesterday he's like don't panic but get a booster and a vaccine. But by the way, uh, the report from South Africa, the thing that's concerning, they seem to not respond to that. Yeah, well, it's interesting in that when President Trump shut down the travel, uh, you know, a year and a half ago, so it was xenophobic. But now all of a sudden, it's a completely different thing. And you have some African nations that are speaking out against what uh, Joe Biden has done. But uh, again, we're just getting on the same, uh, you know, get the booster shot, get this shot, get that shot. Instead of allowing people to look at all of the different other protocols, treatments and therapies that are out there. Again, I'll just go back to my example. Yeah, I came down with COVID, uh, got the monoclonal antibody infusion therapy. I also had the budesonide nebulizer treatments that cleared it out of my my lungs because I did have traces of pneumonia. And uh, four to five days later, I'm I'm fine. I'm clear. I tested negative and right back into my physical training routine. And I've on on the, uh, you know, the zinc, uh, took the ivermectin for some time, the D3. So why are we talking about all of these other treatments and protocols that people can have? And here in Texas, we have a sheriff's deputy over in Fort Worth by the name of Jason Jones, who the hospital is refusing his wife's request for some of these other treatments and protocols. So the hospital is actually saying that we're not going to treat your husband as you're asking us to treat him. We're just going to do what we want to do. And now he's on a ventilator and very possibly will lose his life. Unbelievable. Uh, they won't let him do the treatment because it's all political. But how about this tweet? I just read it to our audience, but I'll read it to you. Uh, here we go. Uh, with, the, with the president had a travel ban to certain African from to, to Africa for because the virus was slamming America, he said uh, Trump further diminished the U.S. in the eyes of the world by expanding his travel ban. This new African ban is designed to make it harder for black and brown people to emigrate to the United States. It's a disgrace, and we cannot let him succeed. Is it a disgrace when he banned eight African nations from coming here on a variant that doesn't even seem serious according to those who had it? 
Yeah, it, it really is. And I think, again, it's more of the fear monitoring. You know, again, you get, you know, Dr. Fauci, you know, running out and, and talking about his perspectives. But Joe Biden once did say that he would not mandate shots. He came back and mandate shots. He said at his press conference that he would not uh, force another lockdown. But you know, who knows what he will do if they are more so concerned and focus on power and control, which I think that this is now what uh, this whole COVID issue has become. We're talking about the least dangerous pandemic that the world has ever seen. It, you've got a 99.9% pretty much so recovery rate. And really the demographics that are harshly hit by COVID, obesity, high blood pressure, heart disease, uh, things of diabetes, uh, things of this nature. So if we can start looking at the real root causes and, and the fact that we have people that are, are being severely affected because of COVID, not because of COVID-19, but maybe because they have these pre-existing conditions and the already have these uh, these other uh, detrimental health conditions, that's what we need to start focusing on. Yeah, I would think so. Uh, the other thing to keep in mind, too, is that the president's numbers are slipping, even on how he handles the coronavirus. Yeah. And they found out, too, when they looked at why Democrats did so poorly, it was the oppressive mandates and the mm-hmm. shutdowns, lockdowns. So he's got to straddle this line. If he wants to, if his party wants to survive politically— if he starts this lockdown, shutdown, mask up attitude again that you guys don't yeah. even experience in Texas unless you live in Austin, uh, I think this country is going to rebel. Look at this. The states with the least number of cases, Florida, mm-hmm. Hawaii, Alabama, Louisiana, Mississippi. Michigan has the most number, that great Governor Whitmer. New Hampshire, second. Wisconsin, third, excuse Minnesota, third. Wisconsin, four. New Mexico, five. So everybody that was laughing at Florida— Now they've been laughing for five straight weeks. Florida had the least amount of cases, and they were able to keep their kids in school without masks unless there was some Mm -hmm. lawsuit that kept a mask on and keep people at work and at the beach and at the hotels and at the games. Yeah, the proof is in the policies. The proof are in the results, and that's what we see happening. And those blue states, or even those blue cities, like you talked about here in Austin within the state of Texas, uh, that's where you see the greatest amount of problems, on top of Austin having high crime because they've defunded their police uh, as well. So I think that, again, you're going to find Joe Biden— you know, in a very hard situation because the progressive socialist left wants to push this issue, uh, but he is in a bad position to try to push it. And furthermore, here in Texas, we're seeing hundreds of thousands of illegal immigrants come across our border. No one's mandating anything to them. No one's telling them they have to get a jab in the arm, but yet we're having this being pushed down. But thank God the Fifth Circuit Court and some of these other uh, judges out there are seeing this as un- as unconstitutional as it is because the federal government doesn't have an enumerated power to mandate to Americans what is injected into their bodies. Did your wife get vaccinated? Yes, she did. Uh, She had a breakthrough case, right? Yeah, what happened, she got the COVID vaccine, the pneumonia, and also flu shot all together, and uh, that put her on her back. And, and of course, you know, I I contracted it a couple of days after that. Wow. Uh, 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 Westford, Texas, is that how we uh, contribute? That's right. West, the number four, Texas.com. I appreciate it. And safe travel to you down to Florida. I will miss you because I'm heading up to New York uh, this weekend. All right. Uh, sorry about that, Colonel. My loss. Uh, this is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Susan Lee now. Information you want. Truth you demand. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. I don't think we have an issue with demand. I think incomes are strong. Retail sales are strong. Companies have lots of money. The problem is the supply side. 
and that unless we fix the supply side, it will contaminate the demand side. So that's why it's really important to focus on the two big issues that we have, supply disruptions and inflation. Take inflation seriously because it can by itself derail our economic recovery. Mohamed El Arian, he's the chief economic advisor with uh, uh, Alliance. And by the way, he came out and did say that he didn't think the Fed did a good job watching inflation. It was never transitory. He never believed that. But is that in fact true? I'm not sure uh, because we don't really know for sure. Is that right, Susan? That's right. Kill me. You're always right. You think I'm uh, Susan Lee is here. Thank you very much for coming. Uh, Susan, what, first off, uh, do you respect him? Of course. Mohamed Alarian of Allianz, yes. Uh, he's been in the market for a long time, and right. he's seen this stuff. He's been at PIMCO. So I think he's right in that it is a supply side because when you look at the demand, especially the retail sales numbers that we've been seeing over the holiday, I mean, $200 billion will be spent from November through to December. $200 billion spent just online. Right. That's a big number. And yeah. then you already had $57 billion already spent over the weekend. So Americans are willing to shop but finding the first of all finding the products finding them at the right prices and not front-loading their purchases because they were afraid they couldn't find them during the holidays i think that's the problem right is now. that why the black uh, black friday sales weren't as, as robust as they thought because they said that maybe people were black friday it also exactly they've been front-loading their purchases you've heard that from walmart and other retailers that you've seen shoppers once you see it you grab it because it might not be around for the kids during the holidays does it surprise you that over 50 percent of the country says the worst thing about the holidays is wrapping those gifts <laughs> well with the paper cuts I, i'm not a very good rapper are right. you no with a sticky tape see and- i think you have a chance to show personality me personally if you can rap a little bit atypical like if you go to bloomingdale's <laughs> and you get professionally wrapped what are you saying yeah i got some you're not even important enough for me to wrap your gift right i'm gonna pay extra i have to pay extra because i just uh, first of all i don't have the patience to wrap gifts and then you're too big for that well well no i mean i just have uh you know other things like but i have to go shop for myself which takes a long time right and then i have to shop for hard family. to please i i just um you know i have very high standards that's and, all and you demand a lot of yourself <laughs> so uh, do you right look that's at how well dressed you are every day i can't believe that you shop off the rack every day i do off no, any you rack don't. i just said are you done with that can i can i wear that after you <laughs> I'm, I'm secondhand stores army navy stores things like that oh really i do a lot of repossessions people that can't afford their suits i'll take them the salvation army yes yeah, so a, oh, a, a lot of people charitable. do that with cars but just back to this for a second because i know you people at business don't want you to talk people. about business yes <laughs> what right? do you mean uh, but no <laughs> I'm just saying that's the wrap on you guys. Oh, really? You yeah. people at business yeah. don't want to talk about business? Right. I want to talk about business all the time. You You're, just don't want to talk about business and crypto with me. That's all. That's true. Uh, <laughs> because that's true. I, do, I definitely need the fundamentals on crypto. Right. Yeah, so I don't, I don't even know where to start. But just talking about this for a second. Yeah. Uh, the president of the United States is saying, I'm not getting any credit. Uh, I've created so many jobs. Uh, look at the jobs numbers that just came in the other day. Uh, look at the fact that unemployment is down to where it is. GDP is growing and supposed to come up mm. with a, a good number in, well, the, in November. It was, summer was terrible for GDP in the economy. Terrible. It came in way worse than anticipated. And, you know, you, you can blame the Delta COVID environment, but people are just really afraid of the inflationary environment and how much money it's going to cost to put food on the table. Right. That is true. And we know that that's happened. But is he not getting enough credit now? Many people, civ- uh, civilians like myself, 
myself who are not in your business (laughs) or doing business, say if you go to and can't get things that you want, if gas is more on a daily basis, if everything is more on a daily basis, and you see things that not only are not on the shelves, but when you go to order them aren't there, that's the thing where people go, nothing's normal. Right. When is things going to get back to normal? You promised things would be normal. Yeah. What's normal these days? I mean, it's just... uh, We're supposed to lower expectations. Right. Well, if you look at the the economy and some of the surveys out there in the polling, the number one concern for Americans right now, I think you've seen that with like 60% of Americans saying it's the economy, it's inflation, it's higher prices, and that's really worrisome for the average family, average folk across this country. Now, I would say that in terms of him getting credit, I think there's a yes and no to that. I mean, he's gotten a lot of credit for throwing money into the economy since we have money supply expanding by 30%. You can say that, and you can argue if we're judging it by the stock market, yes, you know, we're near record levels once again. But when people don't feel sure about feeding their family, I think that's that's a big problem. I think that's pretty, I think that's pretty apparent. Uh, so in terms of oil and gas, here's what the same guy, Mohammed El Arian, said <laughs> yes. about tapping our oil and what does he think about a strategic oil res- uh, 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 reserve being tapped and urging other countries to do the same thing. Cut 32. We are in this very funny period where we have transition issues. We're moving away from fossil fuel, coal, oil, and we're moving somewhere else that hasn't been built up yet. So the middle part gets enormous pressure. And that's what you're seeing with gas prices, for example, record gas prices. Why? Because of this transition. It is a transition, it will go away. In the meantime, The administration is trying to lessen it, not only by releasing supplies, but also asking other countries to do the same. And that's what we saw last week. It will have a marginal impact. It won't have a permanent impact, but it's a very important signaling. So I know you were in Canada yes. over the weekend. <laughs> over the weekend. Right. For holidays. Uh, you did not get the omni uh, omnipotent uh, <laughs> Omicron. Strain, yeah, Omicron virus, yeah. did you? No, I don't I don't think so. You, you know, we get know. tested here. Because so. the symptoms are mild. That's right. Symptoms uh, are mild. Um, uh, there's only two cases so far. Right. And then some of the countries that actually actually these uh, passengers in Canada were from Nigeria, which is not off the block list. What does that say? It says they don't know what the hell they're doing. Uh, Right. But just back to this for a second. We're not ready to transition to what might or might not be possible in terms of green energy. Mm -hmm. Why don't we admit that? Why are we allowing? Why not incentivize? If you want this green technology to move forward and the scientists, because I'm led by science, if the scientists tell you that it's possible, why would you leave fossil fuels and hurt yourself? In the country in the short term. So we talk about electric cars, but where do you think the electric cars get the electricity? Where- I heard coal for electric. <laughs> well, and also nuclear as well. So, I mean, is it necessarily all green? Um, and also, by the way, you saw what happened with oil prices last week when they released some of the, the supplies from the strategic it petroleum. It went, it went up, right? You're supposed to go down. Right. But because there's like a, a transition period and it's a, it's a trade-in kind of program, so it really doesn't make that big of a structural difference when it comes to the oil market. I mean, you're not going to stop oil prices from going, trending higher because of this transition that we're in, right? These oil companies, they're they're seeing that they're going to have diminished business. So what do they do? They try to make as much profit as you can now in case of the future. Are they gouging? Because he said, I'm going to do an, I'm going to do an investigation to see if they're price gouging. Wow. Because in the past, mm-hmm. when we, we had increased drilling, the prices came down. So he's going to do an investigation on that. Well, OPEC, you know, the oil cartel around the world, Saudi Arabia and the like, what they're doing right now is they're trying to 
protect their profits. So they're trying to, they're protecting the supply in the market, as you know, supply, demand. So if there's more supply, you know, you have, uh, the prices go down, obviously. So if they, if they cut on supply, I mean, prices held up, hold up at these higher levels right. for them. But but for us, so he's, I think that's, that's the manipulation companies. that I'm talking about. Right, looking at American companies, yeah, he's seeing if they're gouging. Is that really what we should be pushing? Well, no, I mean, there's refining costs. I mean, it, when it gets to from from actually being drilled to the actual pump, I mean, there there are a lot of steps along the way. I mean, refiners need to get paid, oil drillers, obviously. So there there are multiple steps. But I, I don't think there's necessarily gouging. Right. Uh, so I want you to hear what David Brooks said. You know, David Brooks from the New York Times. He was on PBS. You hate to put your headsets on. I, know. I do. I know. It but you like the hair. sound, though, right? I do, right. yes. And put it this way. I'm the same way. That's why I have It hurts your clips. hair? Is right. that right? It you mean it hurts your hair? Well, it messes with my hair. Does messes it, does with it, your does hair. Does it mess up your hair? You mean it hurts the look, but it doesn't hurt you physically. No, it doesn't, no, it doesn't like, hurt me physically. But right. if I get a call from wardrobe saying your hair is out of place, that, that would hurt me physically. <laughs> they have your cell? I'm sorry. They probably. You do? Okay. On speed dial. That is unbelievable. I want you to hear what David Brooks said over the weekend. When it comes to inflation, not a big deal. Not Cut a big 29. Deal. Hmm. I want a white hot economy that will raise wages at the bottom, which is happening, that will bring people back in the labor force, which is happening, which is spreading wealth around the country and not concentrating in a few cities. I have high tolerance for inflation in this kind of economy because I think we need it as a society to heal. Do you want to heal through inflation? Well, Okay, maybe that would hurt the wallet and probably I feel healing. livelihood. Is that the Bactine we're looking for to get the infection out? <laughs> I mean, but, you know, I think he's right in some ways in that inflation is a sign of a recovering economy. So people are finding work, they're getting paid more, and that does mean that there's more demand and higher prices. Right, but but no one thinks that wages going up as high as inflation, do they? No. I mean, no, no. The wages president are- said that. Well, the wages are only going up 4%. Inflation's at 6 7%. And can I do the math in my head? Sure. Because the 6 is bigger than the 4. I think right? that that's correct. Right. <laughs> Brian, you're so spot on. Thank you. Yes, but, you know, it's tough. But also, I would say that there are ways to get around a supply chain issues. I mean, who, who could have foreseen that there would be a lack of labor to drive trucks and get the ports moving? He would say that's probably out of his hands. And also the semiconductor shortage as well. If, if China's not producing enough silicon or they're protecting their sil- silicon supply, right. Biden would say that's not Here's my what problem. I would do. In terms of presidential leadership, uh, number one, I'd be on the ports. I'd make my transportation director. <laughs> I'd give him his GPS or the Waze app so he knows where the shore is. Okay. So because he's been from the Midwest and now we have him in a landlocked area. So we need the transportation secretary to actually see the ports and give the image, give him binoculars. And so we can okay. see, so we can see some of the uh, some of the barges, okay. some of the ships. Number two is, I would say, listen, I got a three year plan, not a four year, but a three year plan to bring five products to uh, to our shores to manufacture for a national security reason. One of which would be these chips. Mm-hmm. Two of which would be pharmaceutical supplies, and pick out maybe something, uh, you know, five companies, twenty medicines that we we have to have here. Mm-hmm. Because didn't we learn? We're pretending like we didn't learn anything from twenty twenty. Right. To me, that's presidential leadership. And then what I have next to me. Five major companies to say this is what we're doing. This is what we're going to build. These are the these are going to be the warehouses that we're converting. Mm-hmm. And we understand that it might even cause our prices to rise. Right. 
Like time. Well, okay, so developing these pipelines and supply chains takes a it's a long lead time, as you can imagine. Yeah. So we we are we do have a lot of chip factories being built, wafer factories as they're called. So you have twelve billion dollars in Arizona, you have seventeen billion dollars being plowed into Texas. That's gonna take two to three years right. to get up and running. But I would say here's something that's positive that okay. we should focus on, which are the vaccines. You know, we have this Omicron variant, but you heard from Pfizer, Moderna today saying we could get a targeted vaccine vaccine up and running by the first what three months of next year that's a positive and you know who the those vaccines were developed under right which administration the previous one right there right you go. but according to anthony fauci he called a meeting immediately after the virus was come to our shore he said i called a meeting to say get the mrna staff working on something to solve this and they started immediately that's what he was saying <laughs> yesterday i can't believe this guy and you can't question him because I don't want to question science. Oh, right. okay. Copy. And if you don't, if you want to question me, it's just you just don't like uh, radio talk show hosts. That's it. <laughs> but it's we love to do Kill with Me. me. It's, not, right. it's not radio talk show hosts. We love Kill Me. All right. So in that case, it's going to be hard for you even to play along with the analogy. Uh, more with Susan Lee in just a moment. You'll listen to the Brian Kill Me show. We're going to bring up the reconciliation plan and what Heidi Heidkamp said about that that should scare all of us. Educating, entertaining, enlightening. You're with Brian Kilmeade. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. Oh, I think it will get done. I think there is so much pressure now after the Virginia election, you know, where, where and, and now we see Biden's numbers sliding. I think there is a kind of a come to Jesus moment among the Democratic factions, if you say, to let's get this done. Let's let's spend a year talking about the great things, implementing, doing our ribbon cuttings or whatever it is. I think that there is a whole recalibration that occurred after Virginia with these poll numbers. So I agree with Amy. I think it's going to get done. So interesting that she thinks after the election, the message was spend more on a pure agenda item. You can't even say the bipartisan bill, which was three months delayed after it passed the Senate. They just let it languish for three months and passed on its own anyway. Susan Lee is with us right now from the Fox uh, Business Network. We're just following everything that's breaking around us. Yeah, that never I never understood that. You had an easy win with the infrastructure bill that was already paid for. Half of it was already paid for. Just get it through. Everybody wants better roads, faster internet, and better trains. But no, they had to hold it up for their own political, right. social spending And, and you know, the argument was the 19 senators voted for it, took political risk in doing, for doing it. President gave credit. President Trump criticized him heavily, and there wasn't enough infrastructure in it. Mm-hmm. But they would have had a better chance of actually getting things done, digging some holes and showing a bridge that was replaced or at least painted by now. Yes. Uh, but he didn't want the win. I agree. Politics uh, sometimes get, gets in the way of the goodwill. So now in the reconciliation package, this, uh, Susan, you don't know this because most of your friends are high-powered traders. Can you imagine <laughs> negotiating something out of a purchase? Okay, here's the deal. Shake my hand. Great. Okay. Everything you negotiated out is going to be jammed down your throat anyway yeah. in a different bill. Almost everything that they negotiated out is in the reconciliation bill, which needs no Republican votes. Heidi Heitkamp's a former Democratic senator from North Dakota. Is she right? Are the people you talk to and is they, are the investors responding as if that reconciliation package in some way, shape, or form is going to get passed? Yeah, well, you so you have stock markets that trade on the future six to nine months out from here. And given that we're close to these record levels and inflation at where the inflation is and prices are rising so quickly, I think there is an anticipation that, yes, we're going to get this $1.9 trillion, maybe not $1.9 trillion per se, but at least a trillion dollars. It's going to be a big number that might get passed. And as you know, when you have 
all this money funneling through the economy, you have more to spend, but then prices go up as well. There's a couple of things. Senator Bill Cassidy took tremendous. He's getting a lot of criticism, too, over in Louisiana. He came out and led, along with Senator Portman, this whole push to get Republicans involved in this, Susan Collins and company. And he passes it, and then he sits there holding the bag, says the other one's not going to pass. Well, if it does, in fact, pass in some way, shape, or form, he said they keep pointing to the fact that all these Nobel Prize winners looked at it and said, this is going to be perfect. Here's what he said about the fact check on that statement, cut 34. So those 17 Nobel Prize, if you go back, Glenn Kessler in the Washington Post looked at them. They said that was the bill they had then, not the bill they have now. And they point out that if you are going to avoid inflation, then you've got to be able to pay for it. The Wharton School of Business has a better analysis. Their analysis is that it's about $1.53 billion in new revenue. But as it's probably going to be implemented, as those things that don't sunset or uh, that are supposed to sunset don't, it's going to cost $4.65 trillion. $4.65 trillion on top of what the federal government is going to pay. Is wow. that what you're hearing? I mean, have you heard that calculus before? Because I've seen the Wharton School come up with this, but we don't even know exactly what it looks like. Yeah. The House bill just had everything in it. <laughs> it's going to get cut up in the Senate and then thrown back. Well, so they were going to pay for it by taxing billionaires and taxing corporations Who are more. the worst? Right. The billionaires <laughs> are the worst. Well, is that a kill me statement? No, I'm sarcastic. Um, yes, he's part of the 1% himself. So, look, we have billionaires. I think that that tax is pretty much off the table, so how are you going to raise the revenue? I mean, there's a surcharge of, what, 5% or so on billionaires? Right. Or the Jeff Bezos? Well, by the way, so. that billionaire's tax, even Nancy Pelosi said it's not even hashtag she doesn't want any part of it, mainly because she's a billionaire. Thanks right. <laughs> she's very wealthy. Yeah. Isn't she going to buy a $25 million house in Jupiter, Florida? Right. Next Why? to Tiger Woods? Destroy California <laughs> and then go to Cal- go to Florida. For cheaper taxes, too, do you I mean, think? Yes. There you go. Um, but so also the pay for it with the corporate tax, I mean, they're reducing that from, originally they said it was going to go up to 28%. That's coming down. I think the expectation is 25%, so it goes up by less than what they had anticipated. So there is a lot of concern that this is not paid for. I mean, the surcharges, if, you, if you're going to keep also, if you're going to increase salt, by the way, and the salt caps, I think that there's concern that maybe there's uh, more spending than actual revenue. 20 seconds. On the IRS, $86 billion in IRS agents, do they think they're only going after Jeff Bezos? <laughs> they're going after everybody. You yeah, know that. That's right. Regardless of, well, I mean, they would probably talk the high net worth individuals. I mean, there are so many tracks and traces, whether it's offshore Cayman Islands, Switzerland, etc. But yes, you can imagine that there will be more audits in the future. But they are tax havens. They're allowed to do that. Right? <laughs> well, yes, technically, but you should be declaring and maybe there are loopholes that should be closed as well. Right. Like the carried interest well, I'll take loopholes over an IRS on steroids. <laughs> Susan Lee, I've really enjoyed our time. Thank you. Can you say the same? Uh, uh, always, uh, Brian. Yes, and I say that with a lot sincerity back in a moment (laughs) live from the fox news radio studios in new york city fresh off the set of fox and friends it's america's receptive voice brian kilmeade thanks so much for listening everybody it's the brian kilmeade show 1-866-408-7669 thanks so much for tuning in glenn reynolds will be with us shortly and uh you know glenn outstanding columnist professor of law at the university of uh, Tennessee had a column I thought needed to be explored, a common thread in the Waukesha and Kenosha shootings, government failure. And I just thought we should link the two because it dominated the headlines. But people want Waukesha to go away and they want to focus on Rittenhouse. When Rittenhouse, if you watch that case, it's open and shut. He was clearly innocent. Two people lost their lives and three people were shot and they were white. 
So they want to bring race into it. It never came up in the case where there was race in the Waukesha case, but it never came up. We'll talk about uh, we'll talk to Glenn in just a moment. Uh, Senator Bill Haggerty will be with us, too, on the Appropriations and Rules Committee. The Senate's got about five major things to do, not only to fund the government, fund the Defense Department, and they're going to try to pass this reconciliation bill. We'll talk about that, and then we'll do a simulcast on Borney and Company. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. Joe Biden met with Hunter's business partners from Mexico, from Ukraine, from Russia, from China. He met them at the vice presidential home. The idea that he didn't know anything about Hunter Biden's business dealings is just so farcical. It is. Hunter's laptop speaks, and it's talking about Joe. Most, I mean, the big guy. Most of which we knew, but will the rest of the press take note? Because the big guy is now president, and his soft touch with China makes one wonder if he's compromised, right? Number two. The vaccines will continue to provide a degree of protection against severe disease. And as additional protections, please wear your mask when you're indoors, in public settings, around other people. Nope. Thanks. Uh, Joe's words and uh, actions come back to haunt him as his brutal criticism of Trump's travel ban and his mockery of those who won't wear masks blow up in his bare face as he's caught maskless in a mask-up store. This as the doctor-in-chief, Anthony Fauci, gets the fight he asked for as Senators Cruz and Rand Paul fire back at his pompous proclamations. Number one. This is no time for Donald Trump's record of hysteria, xenophobia. So what changed? Well, I would say first to put it in full context, Peter, what the president was critical of was the way that the former president put out, I believe, a xenophobic tweet. Really? Not the fact. Omicron, not omnipotent. Let's not pretend it'll kill us all after the market tanks and eight African nations seethe with a massive travel ban on them. Meanwhile, we finally learned some of the facts about this new variant now that the president is back from vacation. What he will and won't do to keep us safe. I have an idea. Stop helping us. Is that prob- possible? Glenn Reynolds joins us now. The other major story is uh, crime and punishment, or lack thereof. Professor Law of the University of Tennessee, founder of the Instapundent.com blog. He did his latest column I've saw in the New York Post. I thought it was excellent. The common thread between Waukesha and Kenosha. Uh, Glenn, welcome back. Hi, thanks for having me. Hey, so, Glenn, what is the common thread? Uh, the government screwed up in both cases and then blamed somebody else. Uh, if you look at the Rittenhouse case, uh, you had the shooting of a black man by police uh, in uh, Kenosha. Uh, Wisconsin Governor Tony Evers, a Democrat, uh, did not call up the National Guard or do anything to secure the streets. Instead, he sent out an inflammatory tweet saying, well, you know, it's not the first time a black man was mercilessly killed at the hands of law enforcement. Uh, then we got a lot of arson and rioting. Uh, the governor still didn't send but a trickle of National Guard there and turned down federal assistance. So we had a huge amount of violence and property destruction, mostly, by the way, in the city's working class and poor neighborhoods. Um, and that's the background of unrest and destruction against which Kyle Rittenhouse went to try to help protect uh, businesses and help injured people. Uh, if the government had done its job, he wouldn't have been there. If the government had done its job, he wouldn't have had to be there. The government didn't do its job. And what's more, the government failed to do its job, not by accident, not by negligence, but on purpose. Uh, it goes back to the old Baltimore space to destroy principle. They wanted these riots. They wanted to allow them to happen, and they did. 
the same thing in a different way is what happened in Waukesha. You have Daryl Brooks, believe it or not, incredibly, had already been charged with deliberately running over his girlfriend uh, and was released on a mere $1,000 bail, even though he'd been charged with three felonies plus resistance to arrest and bail jumping. $1,000 bail. Um, but, you know, the DA there, uh, a guy named uh, John Chisholm, is one of the pioneers of the new wave of sort of leftist uh, prosecutors that George Soros has been backing in many cases with campaign money. Uh, and they don't think people should be held on bail. Uh, so, uh, you know, this was their policy. Now, it's stupid. There's a lot of people who probably should not be held on bail for minor offenses. Uh, running somebody down deliberately is not a minor offense. <laughs> and if they can't tell the difference, they shouldn't be there. Uh, the prosecution of Kyle Rittenhouse itself was a prosecutorial abuse of power. Uh, the same people who don't want to go after somebody who runs down their girlfriend on purpose uh, wanted to make an example of Rittenhouse. And frankly, they wanted to make an example of Rittenhouse because they're trying to establish the precedent that leftist mobs are free to run riot in the street, literally, and that if you defend yourself or your property against them, the government will come after you. Uh, and that's why they were so upset when Rittenhouse was acquitted. Um, right, and the now whole thing is misportrayed because that reminds right. people what they're behind. So this whole thing about crime and lack of punishment that led to the the looting that took place in Oakland, the looting that takes place in San Francisco, the looting that's taking place in Chicago. We're watching these snatch and grab, whatever you want to call it, and in in California in particular, you could take up to uh, just under a thousand dollars worth of stuff, and then you want cops to stop it. Who knows how this is going to go? Or a security guard to stop it? They're not going to do that. So with Rittenhouse's situation, you had the president of the United States at the time, Trump, say, do you guys want National Guard? Do you want federal troops? This thing is out of control. And he said no and no. Our cops, their cops were told to stand back. And after these small business owners get raided two or three times, that's what prompted Rittenhouse, whose dad lived there, to come over. This other thing that I think runs uh, through both cases is, one, they ignore the, uh, the parade case. And the, the other one, uh, with the Kenosha shootings, they ignore the fact that the victims were white. And they ignore the fact that no one watched this. The prosecution blew up their own case with, the, uh, with their own witnesses when the witnesses, by being honest, end up being defense witnesses. Yeah, one of the, one of the actually most heartening things about the Rittenhouse trial was all these witnesses really did tell the truth under circumstances where clearly it would have been in their interest to lie. I'm sure the prosecution wanted them to lie, uh, and uh, they would have looked better if they had not admitted, for example, that, oh, well, yeah, actually, I was pointing a gun at Rittenhouse when he shot me, you know. Uh, I mean, I, I have to say, give them credit. They told the truth. Um, and, and that's uh, always refreshing and certainly not something we see from very many politicians or journalists these days. That's true, Glenn. And the thing is, right now, do you believe the law and order is, trend, is transcending party? Do you think that people in these cities that just want to earn a living or keep their kids safe or walk to school with some peace of mind are saying these policies are putting us in danger? We know that. But do you think this is getting through to Democrats? Oh, yeah. I mean, the funny thing is all, all of this depolicing has been pushed as a racial justice issue. But the only people who actually support it uh, are woke white people who live in essentially gated communities. Uh, in Maryland, for example, the, Larry Hogan, the governor, has got a refunding the police program now. Eighty-eight percent of black voters in Maryland uh, poll in favor of it. Why? Because that's where the crime affects people the most. And, in fact, there's just a study out today 
that says that if you think black lives matter, you need more police, that for every 10 police added to a local police force, on average, you save one black person's life by cutting down on crime, which is disproportionately in black neighborhoods involving black people. Uh, so this, this is just – the de-policing thing is a ridiculous uh, position, and it's, that's, of course, why the Democrats tried to backpedal and say, oh, well, defunding the police doesn't actually mean you know defunding the – well, police – uh, but nobody believes that. It, 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 they are making people at uh, you know university race and gender studies departments happy, and uh, nobody else in the country favors this. And my exit question to you would be about uh, Kyle Rittenhouse, who's going to Arizona State. And I know you're on a campus too, the University of Tennessee. He wants to go to Arizona State. He says, I'm remote, but I want to go on campus. And already there's two or three major groups trying to protest. They call him a bloodthirsty killer. We don't want the we don't want him to commit homicide on our campus. All these things are propping up. Number one, does this surprise you? Number two, if you're Kyle Rittenhouse, would you go anyway? Probably, sure. Uh, you know, uh, screw these people. Uh, and also, it's like it's like the Revolutionary Communist Workers Club of Arizona State University that's making the most of this noise. That's probably four people. The administration should tell them, write me a 5,000-word essay on the importance of the rule of law, and don't come back until you've finished it, uh, and shut them up. The, there's no reason to even listen to a student demand that ridiculous. And it's un-American. A man who's been tried and acquitted, being treated as if he's a monster, uh, undercuts the rule of law, which lefties were telling us was so important back when Trump was president. Glenn Reynolds, thanks so much. I, I enjoy your article. I, I recommend everyone read it, a comment thread between the Walker Show and Kenosha shootings. Glenn Reynolds, thank you. Thank you. one 408 I'll take you calls when we get back. In the bottom of the hour, Senator Bill Haggerty. Then you'll finally see, if you don't have Fox Nation, don't get a chance to see me for three hours every day. Like Allison and Eric get a chance to see me three hours, and they just love it. Uh, and people with Fox Nation subscriptions, that's what they have in common. But if you want to see what I look like on cable TV and you miss Fox and Friends, I'll be on FBN in 20 minutes. Uh, you listen to The Brian Kilmeade Show. Diving deep into today's top stories, it's Brian Kilmeade. A radio show like no other, it's Brian Kilmeade. During the two years, last two years that Joe Biden was vice president, Hunter Biden and his partners were doing work for CEFC as part of this joint venture. And Hunter expected them to pay him $20 million for the work that his family had done while Joe Biden was vice president. And then after Joe Biden stepped down as vice president, he was going into formally uh, business with CFC uh, in America. Uh, Hunter Biden had the office all set up with the nameplate for Joe Biden and Jill Biden and him to share this office with their Chinese partners. Ivana wrote the book, Laptop from Hell, with Hunter Biden, all his... Racy emails, all of this very disturbing international business emails with CEFC, which is linked to the Chinese government, which is trying to push their Belt and Road program, which is trying to, what they basically do is go to impoverished nations like Pakistan, Botswana, whatever, and they'll say, okay, you need an airport, you need a tunnel, you need some bridges, okay, let's do it, and I'll finance it. So they go and do it, and then when it's time for the financing to come through, they don't have any money to pay, so they take the airport. And they say, I just need access to the ports we built for you. And then uh, we'll pay you rent. We'll be rent free. And then all of a sudden they have that program. It's insidious. And the president said, wow, this is a bad program. We've got to come back with our own option for that. And I thought, that's pretty good. This new President Biden wants to do that. But of course he can't mean it because part of this investment firm to CEFC is doing the Belt and Road program. Hunter Biden's a part of it. It's incredible. We go on. Cut 27. 
Joe Biden met with Hunter's business partners from Mexico, from Ukraine, from Russia, from China, from Kazakhstan. He met them in Beijing. He met them at his home, at the vice presidential home. Uh, he met them at Cafe Milano in a private room in Washington, D.C., while he was vice president. So um, the idea that he didn't know anything about Hunter Biden's business dealings is just so farcical when you know what's on the laptop. Look, it's all there. And they destroyed and they just shelved this article, stopped the New York Post from tweeting or going on Facebook. And then they said, we're sorry about that. Or at least the head of Twitter, the former head of Twitter CEO and founder did. And this was such incredible. This is a huge story. And it's now going to be in a book. And it's going to be a bestseller, I guarantee it, just from the people that are interested. But we're not really giving opinion. Well, it seems that they met together. X, Y, and Z happened. No. People wrote it down and exchanged emails. Yeah, there's some, there's some things that have to be filled in. I get it. But a lot of it was told to Ron Johnson ahead of time. But sadly, they blew, the Republicans blew the Senate. And therefore, the investigations all stopped as he became a ranking member of that department. Cut 28. Joe Biden definitely is compromised because of his family. I mean, it wasn't just Hunter Biden, but it was Joe Biden who was involved in these deals with uh, CFC. As I say again, you can't say it too many times. This is the capitalist arm of President Xi's Belt and Road Initiative. So, uh, you know, this was a f the Biden family was involved in this. So you can't even say they're not involved in it. Tony Bobolinsky came out and said, I met with him face to face. I'll tell you exactly what I did. He had a speech at the Beverly Hilton Hotel. Uh, I met him the day before. They said he was going to walk in late and he did. And he said, why don't you come watch me speak tomorrow? And he did. He sat at Joe Biden's table, which has been proven. He said exactly where he sat behind a wall to be hidden. They said straight ahead uh, was Steve Wynn. Uh, they had the president of Bally's at the time, I think. He's got a ton of, you know, a multi-billionaire, uh, and he was somebody who owned half of Las Vegas at the time. He was sitting there with a woman. He described the thing in detail. Joe Biden came walking in. They were told, don't talk specifics about it. But he said, just take care of my family. I understand you had great credentials. At which time, Tony Bobolinsky told him about his wrestling exploits, and he was captain of the wrestling team. He actually walked on to that. Three generations of Navy officers. He was one of them. He said that... Um, is very uncomfortable with the fact that for many things with Hunter Biden, because of not only a substance abuse problem, the fact that he got kicked out of the Navy didn't sit well with him. And they said, don't worry, you got Jim Biden here because Jeb Hunter has his demons. And the next day, Joe Biden says, why don't you sit at my table? I got to make a speech after the speech. Say, Tarp, because the first thing Biden says, what'd you think of my speech? Said, I thought it was really good. OK, uh, I look forward to dealing with you because they needed somebody with international business experience that could kind of block for them that didn't have the face of the Bidens. But clearly they were trading on the family name. And to just paraphrase, because I've been reading portions of the book already, Bobolinsky said to uh, Jim and Hunter Biden, isn't this very risky for you? Aren't you worried about your, your dad's 2020 presidential campaign? Isn't he running for president? And he said, plausible deniability. And they both laughed because the word was never bring up Joe. But Joe knew what was going on. And when they broke down the profit margin, 50% went to CFC. The other 50 was broken up in between Hunter, Jim Biden, and two other guys. And, one, and part of Hunter Biden's H went to Joe Biden, the big guy, and he would hold it for his dad. Uh, that's a fact. 
this is explosive, and you always do it, and it's definitely worth it if this was Hunter Biden holding for Donald Trump, and excuse me, if this was uh, Don Jr. holding for his dad, if it was Eric holding for his dad, if it was Ivanka holding for his dad, they wouldn't even have commercials on MSNBC. But none of that happened. Steve, listen on the Fox News Radio app. Hey, Steve, what's on your mind? Hey, good morning, Brian. So I wanted to keep you abreast of what's happening here in Massachusetts because I heard you on Fox and Friends talking about, you know, mandates in New York and how elective yeah. surgery what are you is being canceled. Well, guess what? Wednesday, Wednesday, evidently our governor signed an executive order that in select areas, um, elective surgeries are canceled. And number two, this morning, if you can find it on bostonherald.com, just so I, I don't get accused of giving false information, our governor is going to put together is trying to put together a passport, a COVID passport. They're going to use a Q. Each one of us are going to be given a QR code. They're trying to figure out how to do it. Brian, I have absolutely had it. This is a, a so-called Republican governor. And, and we're pulling stunts here in Massachusetts and it's flying under the radar. And I can't get the national news to come and ask this guy some questions. Well, a couple of things, you know, we will we'll try to put them on. We'll put them on here. But that we have that in New York. By a liberal Democrat, uh, we have those QR codes, and we got. We have to get into restaurants. Uh, uh, you guys have. If you've tried to get into a restaurant, you you have to show the vaccination card to get into a gym. You have to show the vaccination card. I don't know. Can you shop in Macy's or any department store without it? I don't know. You can. Yeah, you can. But we got that already. But you expect different from a Republican governor. So uh, yeah, it's terrible. And now you're asking hostesses to be the security guards. You really think that would work? The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. So it's easy to criticize, but they're really criticizing science because I represent science. That's dangerous. Senator Cruz told the attorney general you should be prosecuted. Yeah. I have to laugh at that. <laughs> I should be prosecuted. What happened on January 6th, Senator? That's kind of interesting, isn't it? January 6th? Why does a doctor who represent who is science care about January 6th? Because he's a political animal. You know the first, as soon as Trump uh, no longer was president, he quickly won and was booked on Rachel Maddow's show and said it was his favorite show. You don't like Rachel Maddow unless you agree with Rachel Maddow. No offense. It doesn't become your favorite show if you don't agree with everything she says, which means you're a doctor, but you're a political hack. Joining me now to talk about that is Senator Bill Haggerty, the Foreign Relations Appropriations, the Republican out of Tennessee. Senator, what did you take from that laugh and that accusation thrown at Cruz? Now, Ted Cruz can handle himself. I get it. But it was really to everyone who's been critical of him. You know, it's, it's amazing. The arrogance that uh, we hear from Dr. Fauci, I think, is really part and parcel to his massive cover-up of the fact that he was indeed involved in funding gain-of-function research. He's been trying to hide that back from the American public. He's been diverting. He's been deflecting. And he's been caught. Uh, I'm shocked that Fauci hasn't resigned. I'm shocked that this administration hasn't held him to account. And the fact that Republican senators are trying to do just that uh, are generating this sort of uh, just preposterous uh, response from a guy who is completely discredited in the eyes of the American public. And if you think about how Fauci has been discredited in his role, he's really dampening Americans' confidence 
and what really needs to happen with their health. There's so much confusion now, so much disinformation out there, and Fauci is squarely at the center of it. And the thing is, he did every show. I mean, every show, morning shows, evening shows, he's available. So obviously people still think that in certain, almost every other channel, that this guy is the oracle of wisdom. He's going to bring us through it. When if you look at pure numbers, he's been a disaster, a disaster. And this administration has more deaths than Donald Trump's administration. And the year's not even done yet. And he started with the vaccine. It's amazing. Uh, he had the vaccine, and, and this is what's happened. And if you think about what the leadership of this administration said back in September of 2020, that they wouldn't, quote, take the Trump vaccine. They created a lot of disinformation and a lot of concern in the minds of Americans even back then. Uh, and they wheel out a guy like Fauci, who has now been completely discredited. Uh, they have lost uh, any sense of credibility with the American public, and no, no surprise that there's a great deal of concern. Look, I, I've taken the vaccine myself. I've done my own homework. I've made a personal decision. I respect the personal decision of others. I also just remain shocked and dumbfounded that there is literally no discussion of natural immunity that's going on. If you think about the number of people that have had COVID and recovered, uh, we're talking about this new Omicron variant right now. I literally have heard no discussion about what the role of natural immunity may lead to in terms of fighting back this Omicron variant. They're all talking about whether the vaccines will work. But think about how many people here in America and around the world are already, uh, you know, are already living with natural immunity. They're not talking about that. If Dr. Fauci represents the science, then why doesn't he speak up on it? He did topic? not study it, and he does not have the CDC looking at it. So they have to go to Israel and Denmark and Sweden. So listen to this. In a story written up in the Wall Street Journal, they, they cited an Israeli study. It found that people who had been vaccinated with two shots of the vaccine developed by Pfizer were 13 times more likely to later get infected than those with a prior infection, which means you had it, you had the antibodies. The studies hasn't been peer-reviewed, tracked and confirmed infections between June and August this year for people who had been either vaccinated or infected January or February. So it doesn't have all the bells and whistles, but these are the preliminaries. Then you have another study uh, from a uh, Monica Gandhi, professor of medicine associate chief uh, uh, chief of the University of California, San Francisco's division. They said the CDC in a recent study review of the current scientific evidence that both fully vaccinated and these previously infected with the virus have a low risk of subsequent infection for at least six months. Her quote is, it's complicated. We're in a state in the world where vaccination and prior vaccination seem equally protective. That's San Francisco. So at the very least, Israel says it's better. In San Francisco, yeah. the, this woman says it's equal. So why wouldn't you factor that in to the 70% who's gotten both shots and fully vaccinated? Fauci wants 85% of the country fully vaccinated. Is he crazy? 15 days to stop the spread, now 85% fully vaccinated? Yeah, Fauci just keeps bouncing like a pinball from, 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 from one score to another because when he's not telling the truth, you know, he's got to continually prevaricate. He's got to continually try to, to hide the truth and come up with another shiny object to distract America. I'll tell you one thing that he isn't talking about as well that really concerns me, Brian. I just was home for Thanksgiving. We've got a huge, a huge health problem in America with respect to drug overdoses, and it's skyrocketed under these COVID lockdowns. And we've got a collapsed border at the South. We've had over 100,000 Americans dying of drug overdoses this past year. This is a milestone that we've never seen before. And you don't have guys like Fauci talking about this aspect of the pandemic. It's a real concern. It is. Uh, you know what else is a concern? We're going to give away the store as, I, uh, as we have this meeting to, in a desperation attempt to get back in the 2015 Iranian deal. 
We are not even allowed in the room as our European partners negotiate with Iran to get them in compliance, which we all know is not going to happen. How concerned are you about what we're going to give away to get in this uh, Iran deal? I'm very concerned. And if I I have a minute, Brian, I might tell you a story about how hard fought the sanctions were that we have in place with Iran. And we are giving them away and getting nothing in return. Back in 2018, Iran's uh, official capital holdings, their accounts, had $122 billion in them. We really went to work. I, I worked in the prior administration. I was U.S. ambassador to Japan. One of my jobs was to get Japan to stop buying Iranian crude oil. We were trying to impose sanctions to get their customers to stop buying Iranian crude because crude oil is the way Iran generates foreign income. That's how they fund their terrorism around the world. We drove the numbers from 122 down to 12 uh, in 2020. That's where we were. I worked with the Japanese. It took months to get them to agree. They reminded me that they fought a world war over access to energy, Brian, but they finally agreed to cut it off. It took months of hard work to get that done. And they made the sacrifice to, to change out their refining capacity. They, they had incurred all the switching costs to get that done. But now under the Biden administration, we're looking the other way. Uh, we're allowing China, we're allowing other nations to buy Iranian crude without imposing, without enforcing these sanctions. So now Iran has already bumped their bank account up from 12, million last, uh, 12 billion last year up to over 30. And it keeps rising higher. So as long as Iran's able to get the fuel that it needs to continue its terror, it doesn't have the incentive to sit down with America and negotiate. That's the, that's the big fallacy here in having a negotiation when you've lost all your leverage. And they're just trying to find other ways to capitulate. But the biggest point here is Iran is refueling its revenues behind our backs. Wow. Uh, they are. And we're allowing it to happen, which means Israel is – they're going to continue to fund their nuclear program and create havoc. Now, this is, with the, this is the negligence of this. Israel will not let this happen. They've already assassinated, it seems, their lead nuclear scientists. They've done it over and over again. They've also blown up labs. They have great intel in there and agents in there. If we're not going to step in, they will step in, and we could have a world war beginning in the Middle East. That's absolutely right. And I think Israel is inclined. I think they look at this administration right now and they realize that the only leadership in the world today to stand up against Iran is Israel. And they are prepared to deal with it because they don't be annihilated. Iran has been clear about that. Uh, They want to see Israel wiped off the face of the map. They are funding Hezbollah. They're funding Hamas. They're funding, you know, every proxy they can to attack Israel. And Israel is watching this very, very closely. We need to be supporting Israel right now more than ever. We also watched Russia test a hypersonic missile yesterday. Uh, we knew they had this technology. Did you learn anything from it? Well, I think what we're seeing is uh, Russia being emboldened like never before as well. And every action that the Biden administration undertakes uh, has been a net positive to Russia. You think about it, the START Treaty that President Trump held up so he could extract, you know, extract real action from Russia. Biden comes and extends it for five years while getting nothing. If you think about what's happened with our domestic energy policy here, Biden turns around and immediately tears up uh, the Keystone Pipeline deal. He stops leasing here. He makes us dependent on countries like Russia and OPEC. So gas oil prices go through the roof. Who benefits? Every time natural gas prices, oil prices go up, Putin is the net beneficiary of this. We are enriching him right now so much so that he's been able to build up his troops on the border of Ukraine at a level never before seen. What are we doing about this? 
we are making the world far more dangerous. We saw what happened back in 2014. The Obama administration was caught flat-footed when Russia moved into Ukraine. Now they are even bigger. They're testing even more dangerous weapons. What we're doing by not enforcing sanctions, by looking the other way on Nord Stream 2, we are empowering Vladimir Putin. We're putting money into his coffers. We're enriching that nation so they can now harass and threaten our allies. Right. Uh, the word is they're going to invade in January. Are you hearing that? Uh, I, I've heard a lot of speculation about what might happen. Uh, but what I'd like to see happen is that America step up and enforce the sanctions that we have on the books. I'll be meeting with Secretary Yellen shortly this morning to talk with her directly about what the U.S. Treasury is going to do to put biting economic sanctions back on Russia to make it clear to them that if they do take a move of this nature, that they're going to be severe costs. Yeah, we haven't been unable to get their attention right now uh, so far. Senator Bill Haggerty, always great to talk to you. Thanks so much. Likewise, Brian. Thanks right. so much. I'll be on with FBN in just a moment. Now, the Brian Kilmeade Show joins Fox Business's Varney and Company with Stuart Varney, live on your radio and on Fox Business. Here's Brian Kilmeade. Yeah, no matter of moments going on FBN, just keep in mind the President Freedom Fighter is now out. I'll be in uh, Ponte Vedra on, on Friday night and Saturday in Clearwater, Florida. Go to BrianKilme.com, sign up, and I'll be in McLean, Virginia Sunday. So uh, make sure you meet me out there. It's right outside Washington, D.C. Going to be in Dayton, going to be in Cincinnati, going to be in Tulsa, going to be in Oklahoma City, going to be in Dallas. We have uh, Tyler, Texas. We're going to be everywhere. Just go to BrianKilme.com and you'll find out where I'll be. And if you aren't going to be in any of those places, go to BrianKilme.com. And click on you want to order and get it personalized. So let's yeah, listen on the in East now. East Coast, and you know what that means? Kilmeade time. Brian Kilmeade joins us right now. Brian, good to see you. You got me today, Lauren, instead of Stuart Varney. Well, New Lauren, York that's State. okay. And uh, by the way, I like the term Kilmeade time. No one's ever coined that. You could make a lot of money. I know you're business oriented, and you could go patent that and make a lot of money because there's a lot of people that want Kilmeade time. Would you like a cut of that? I mean, you would be the the source of the inspiration. That'll of the be very content. nice. Ten percent. Okay. New York City Mayor-elect Eric Adams, he's promoting stop and frisk. Well, really, stop, question, and frisk. After the latest shooting that wounded two officers, is he the man or the best man we have right now to make New York City safe again? I love what he's saying. I don't like the fact that he's going to keep the mandates in place. He's really disappointed in that. He's caused a lot of strife with police, firefighters, uh, hospitals, 34,000 you know, many of which work in New York City, hospital workers from nurses to doctors to orderlies have been told uh, you're fired. So I don't enjoy that. But stop and frisk makes sense. Lauren, I'm also thinking, too, that I had a chance to talk to Mayor Bloomberg at uh, that Al Smith dinner. And he said that Eric Adams, he has his mayoral class. He says Eric Adams and he have been talking almost every day. Remember, Bloomberg took over for Rudy Giuliani, who did the stop and frisk. And they criticized Bloomberg for taking it too Far, being too aggressive, he didn't really run from that when he ran for president. So maybe he expressed to Adams, who knows what it's like to be a cop as a captain, that, you know what, you're better off. you got to get ahead of this. You're just going to be reacting to these crimes unless you can find out where the guns are and have that deterrent of if you're caught, you'll be arrested. The other thing you got to get rid of is the no-cash bail. I mean, yeah. we saw that story on Sunday. One guy got arrested three times in 36 hours and bragged every time, no one's going to stop me. Knife points, stealing people, grabbing their iPhone, taking beer, whatever it is, it is chaos unless you get law enforcement. And get ahead of it, as you just said. The next topic here is uh, Chris Cuomo coming under fire as documents show, Brian, that he asked his brother's top aide 
to let him assist the team defending the former governor, Andrew Cuomo. This, as CNN says, it will have conversations to seek additional clarity. Do you think Chris Cuomo can survive this, Brian? I'm not he sure. He survived saw, a lot. You know, yeah. you know what? I, I'm so hesitant because I saw so many careers blow up and they do what we do, not, uh, not make the mistakes they're making. But this is what I say about Chris Cuomo. You, you basically didn't tell the truth to your audience. You said one thing, and the transcript says something entirely different. Unless you're going to buck the transcript and say they made it up or typed it out, that's not the way it was. They didn't get my. Unless he has an explanation for it, what he did last night's never going to work, and that's ignoring it. Ultimately, he's got the answer to his audience and to his management. But I get the sense, though, worse could be yet to come because there's more papers that could come out. Freedom of Information Acts, I'm sure, will be enacted. The Governor Cuomo, the disgraced governor, has almost no allies. Even when he was governor, they just feared him. Nobody likes him. He's got no friends. And Chris Cuomo uh, is going to maybe suffer because of that. I'm not sure how popular he is in the newsroom. I just know that uh, out of their prime time, they're sucking wind. I mean, we do better at, I think, 6 in the morning uh, than they do at 8 o'clock at night and with a hut level, which means TV, uh, homes with TVs on, is about 70%, where at uh, the hour in the morning it's about 20%. The Atlantic, a liberal newspaper that tends to lean left, said that he's got to go. So how he survives this is up to their management, really. I mean, where's the pressure going to come from? Everybody's on the liberal side. If it was a Republican or someone deemed as a conservative commentator, where he's clearly, he tends to be balanced, but he's clearly a lefty commentator. If it was a conservative, the pressure would be enormous. Boycotts would be taking place. Yeah. But it's not happening now because Democrat and a Cuomo, and it's up to, uh, to Zucker, who hired him, put him there from the morning show, and has kept him there through all the turbulence that he's already faced. And Don Lemon also with the turbulence he's faced. They seem impervious to it. Yeah, well, maybe not anymore. I mean, if Chris Cuomo survives this, he can survive anything. He'd be Teflon, right? Right, uh, but it's not. I mean, look at who they've already brought back. I mean, look at what they've already done, uh, how they looked the other way with Jeffrey Tubin. I mean, my goodness, uh, that oh. would have destroyed anybody else's uh, career and credibility. What but a story. He, he's commenting on all these court cases uh, still. Yeah. Brian, kill me time. Go back to your radio Is show. it over? It's over. Right. It's over. Thanks for the, the time. Halls, I think Lauren. it is. Do we have a few seconds left? Or are we good, producers? It's timed so perfectly. We're good. Brian, thank you. See you when the halls is right. I'll uh, be in sweatpants per usual. You got it. I will. And Jackie DeAngelis, thank you very much. Uh, 1-866-408-7669. I'll be able to take your calls on that. So I, I really have problems calling for other people's careers to end. But there's also a story today, Matt Lauer, four years later, what's his life like? And he was at the absolute top of the game. It's amazing to me. Uh, Charlie Rose is also king of the mornings. He had revitalized that morning show over at CBS. He's gone. Uh, so Matt Lauer, impervious, I think he was making $25 million a year. And his biggest controversy was who his co-host would be. He's gone. And if you watch the morning show on Apple TV, it is. Steve Carell plays the Matt Lauer figure. So it is uh, eerie. Between that and some other uh, revelations, is pretty eerie what's happened in our, our business. But this is a self-inflicted wound. I think that and people say, he's the lawyer, I'm not. But people say, and all he had to do was say, I'm going to take a few months off. I'm going to deal, help my brother out because he's a lawyer and he has his best interests. And then just comes back afterwards, it would have been no problem. I think the problem is the not being candid. Unless you're being candid with your management and just not with your audience. 
which is the ultimate disrespect. It might keep you your job, but if you lose your credibility with the audience, what do you have? I mean, certainly not going to have ratings. So go to BrianKilmeadeShow.com or to the podcast if you can't catch us live. Uh, that is uh, the one thing that is really – a lot of people tell me, I get the podcast. They don't even realize we have a radio show. Either way, just listen. I appreciate it. And uh, thanks so much. Keep it here. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach. It's Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for being here, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show coming to you from New York. Heard around the country, heard around the world this hour. Uh, we're going to be joined by Ben Dominich, who's getting ready. Uh, Bill Snyder will join us, too, the, the college football legend. Not only will be talking about his illustrious career at Kansas State, but also the rumors that Notre Dame is going to be giving up their coach, Brian Kelly. He might be going over to LSU. Uh, pretty big news. Bob Stoops takes over at Oklahoma. And that was a resignation that happened in the middle of the year as that coach goes over to USC. So a lot going on, including the huge news, I think record-breaking ratings uh, over the weekend as Ohio State lost to Michigan, who's now number two in the country. And we'll see as Fox Sports will be televising the Big Ten Championship uh, between Iowa as well as Michigan. So that should be great. And we'll talk about that. But let's get to the Big Three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. Joe Biden met with Hunter's business partners from Mexico, from Ukraine, from Russia, from China. He met them at the vice presidential home. The idea that he didn't know anything about Hunter Biden's business dealings is just so farcical. Yeah, it's true. Hunter's laptop speaks in talking about Joe. Yep, most of which we knew. But will the rest of the media and will the rest of the press take note? Because the big guy is now president and the soft touch with China makes one wonder if he is indeed compromised. Number two. The vaccines will continue to provide a degree of protection against severe disease. And as additional protections, please wear your mask when you're indoors, in public settings, around other people. Nope. Joe's words and actions come back to haunt him as his brutal criticism of the Trump travel ban and his mockery of those who won't wear a mask blows up in his bare face as he's caught mask down in a mask up store. This, as a doctor-in-chief named Anthony Fauci, Mr. Science, gets the fight he asked for as Senators Cruz and Rand Paul fire back at the pompous proclamations he offered Sunday. Number one. This is no time for Donald Trump's record of... Hysteria, xenophobia. So what changed? Well, I would say first to put it in full context, Peter, what the president was critical of was the way that the former president put out, I believe, a xenophobic tweet. Yeah, uh, not so. Uh, Omnicron, not omnipotent. So let's not pretend it will kill us all after the markets tank and eight African nations seethe with a massive travel ban is slammed on them for no reason. We finally learned some facts about this new variant now that the president is back from vacation. Uh, we will talk about that, um, what he will and won't do to keep us safe. I have an idea. Stop helping us. Uh, let's bring in Ben Dominich, Fox News contributor, publisher of The Federalist. He's got a great podcast here. Ben, welcome back. Good to be with you as always, Brian. And uh, yes, I, I do uh, definitely think that we have uh, achieved a stage where we must honor the fact that Science has never been wrong about anything, ever. 
it's always right uh, and uh, and never needs to be corrected or updated in in any way. It's it's just you know something that's a a, a permanent flame that endures forever, uh, an ember that can uh, never be judged or questioned. Uh, and we should all appreciate that uh, Anthony Fauci has come down with the knowledge uh, from uh, the great science upstairs to inform us on what it is. Uh, and why uh, we have never, ever had a situation where there were any questions about right. anything that science had to offer. So if you're critical of the Giants coach, you don't like football. If, you're, you, don't like, if you don't like Ben Dominic's podcast, you just don't like talk show hosts. Uh, so yeah, that's well, it, not right? just talk show hosts, but I mean, like, uh, you, you just, uh, what is your war with intelligence? I mean, obviously, you know, I mean, it's, 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 it's just, unbelievable. It's just a fact. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, that's true too. Uh, ben, the other thing is, uh, I, he wanted this war, but he brought up something very interesting. In fact, let's hear it, Eric. What is that? You put both cuts together of Anthony Fauci on Sunday, right? So let's listen. So it's easy to criticize, but they're really criticizing science because I represent science that's dangerous. Senator Cruz told the attorney general you should be prosecuted. Yeah. <laughs> I have to laugh at that. <laughs> I should be prosecuted. What happened on January 6th, Senator? So what happened on January 6th? What does that have to do with a scientist? Why does he, what does that have to do with anything to do this, with the virus? This, this is uh, a beautiful illustration. Yes. Of the power dynamic in, in Washington, D.C., that I think not everyone appreciates, which is that if you are someone like Anthony Fauci, who's had his job forever, you view yourself as the eternal bureaucrat, that you will be here well after any of these annoying politicians are gone, that you don't have to answer their questions, that it doesn't matter if you lie under oath to them, you can get away with it, that you are the actual person in charge, and they are just silly people nattering on about the things that, that they care about. And that's why Fauci feels free to say things like that. Uh, you know, a, a, an eminently partisan political expression of the kind that you would hear from a dumb CNN primetime host. And I think that that is, is the sort of – I think that's the sort of thing that Fauci now feels free to do. And unfortunately for, for the American people, they need to understand this has been going on for a long time, and it's not going to go away without a lot of work. You know, to, to put – the power dynamic back in a situation where bureaucrats do not view themselves as uh, our permanent masters uh, and where the people who we actually elect have the power and the ability uh, to bring them to heel, to make them answer questions, and not to dodge when they lie to the Congress of the United States under oath, the representatives of the people who are actually elected to do exactly what they were doing, which is question bureaucrats and find out the truth. So 25 days into Christmas, we find out we have a new variant. We got another travel ban in place. And now the president's recommending we wear indoors masks everywhere. So I'm sure every hockey fan is going to want to wear and basketball fan is going to want to wear a mask. And have they even looked at the states without a mask mandate like Florida and see it's number one with the fewest cases. So we're going to see these travel bans and masks and distances. This is all going to happen again. Do you think they'll pay a political price for this, Ben? I think they'll pay a political price, but what's more, I think that the real question is going to be what happens when people don't go along with it. Because one of the things that's so interesting about this dynamic, obviously, is that, as you know, I live across the uh, river from uh, the swamp from Washington, D.C., in Virginia, and 
The other night, you know, the, the team that I, for all my sins, have cheered for for, for many years, uh, the, the Washington Redskins, the quote-unquote football team, uh, you know, had, uh, had a Monday night football game. And so I went to a sports bar. And the sports bar that I went to was about 25 minutes, I would say, from where Anthony Fauci lives and maybe 20 minutes from the White House. And there wasn't a single person in there with a mask. And it was packed, of course. And that's the sort of thing that it, it, it creates this cognitive dissonance where the people who were in that bar, I'm sure many of them live and work in D.C. or you know, certainly probably have something to do with government jobs in D.C. Uh, and th- here they are all you know, inside enjoying yep. a game together, and they've moved on mentally. The problem is going to be what, what kind of enforcement mechanisms – are you actually going to use other than yelling at people? Uh, and that's where they've run into trouble with this with this OSHA recommendation that they uh, made and then immediately was challenged and, and put on hold. They're just going to try to pressure people and use uh, the bully pulpit and the power of big tech and, and social media shaming and the like to try to make what they can't do legally uh, policy in America. Uh, and that's going to be the point of contention where I think – uh, people need to be prepared to fight back, and, and it's regardless of party, this is about the, the way that our Constitution actually works, and there's certain things that you can't do just because you're the president or you're Anthony Fauci and you feel like, you, you feel like doing it. You actually have to follow the law. You have to, fo- you have to go through the process, and you, and you can't just get away with it. And for all these uh, the arguments that they were making back under President Trump about norms and, and how much they celebrated courts you know, putting stoppages on on his various policies and, and orders. Uh, this time around, they just want to speed through any kind of, of uh, burden uh, put upon them by the Constitution, by the laws of the land, uh, and act like they don't exist. But they are going to run into, I believe, a significant resistance of oh, that wonderful world word uh, to this through the courts and through people uh, who aren't going to go along with it, people and businesses who understand no, this is not going to be something uh, that we live under. We're not going to go backwards. Uh, and we know that this regime didn't help us last time around, and it's not going to help us this time. Right, but they were very critical and made things worse. And his deaths have transcended Donald Trump's deaths. And Donald Trump didn't know it hit us, nor did the China, because China didn't tell us. But when he took over, he had a vaccine. He just had to get it yep. out. So now he said that you know, nobody should be president who has this type of deaths on their hands and blood on their hands. Well, he's actually transcended that. So does that mean he's going to resign? Also on travel bans, when, he, when the president extended, when President Trump extended it to Africa, he, tra- he said this in 2020. Trump further diminished the U.S. in the eyes of the world by expanding the travel ban. This new African ban is designed to make it harder for black and brown people to emigrate to the United States. It's a disgrace, and we cannot let him succeed. Is that what he's doing when South Africa and eight other nations are told you are now banned from coming here? Is it because they're black and brown? It's it's like uh, a repeat of the Nixon has a secret plan to end the war in Vietnam. Joe Biden had a secret plan to end the coronavirus, to stop it in its tracks. And the whole point here is he didn't have a plan. He didn't actually have a plan. He's using the same tools. He's just using them poorly. And and in fact, you know, the rollout of the vaccines, which were achieved in such record time, uh, went you know went relatively poorly under his leadership. We don't have uh, you know a clear and confident message from from the White House. This ban, by the way, of course was 
was announced was announced in the oddest way. It was something that he didn't even say himself. The White House kind of put it out and and put it in his you know saying on on his behalf or something like that, which again goes to the idea that he's not really even engaged in this. I wonder sometimes whether Joe Biden actually watches television, whether he sees how people are living or or what's going on because it's it's such a bizarre situation to hear all of these orders and mandates and the like and then have it flip over to uh you know a college football game or or to a basketball game and and see all these people who are living life as close to normal as we've seen yet and and to me the the real dynamic here too is is a revelation about media hypocrisy uh, under the previous administration you had tickers going constantly on you know on every newspaper and on every uh, news channel updating people on the level of deaths and suggesting that they were you know Donald Trump's responsibility where are those today uh, where are the where are the people who are actually asking the question wait a minute but you know we thought you had a plan and now it appears that not only did you not have a plan for that but you don't have a good plan for the economy either one that's making uh, life harder for Americans 78% of Americans in the last YouGov poll said that they were going to be cutting back on gift buying this year because of the expense of the uh, things that they're seeking out. There's shortages all over the place in terms of, well, you, you can get this, but you're not going to get it after, until after Christmas. So people better prepare to you know, start writing a lot of things in cards about, well, hey, I got you this, but it's not going to show up for a while. And that type of thing really is depressing to the American people. It's not something that they are used to experiencing, uh, and it's something that they're going right. to, I think, continue to see have ramifications for Democrats in the polls going into next year. Well, put it this way. I watched 60 Minutes do a whole look at the supply chain in about 25 minutes, and they had everybody talking. Obviously, there were things that if you got these people in a room, they would be able to solve. The president has even done that. And then yesterday, bizarrely, he had these uh, the CEOs all in one room, and he was supposed to make a speech about the supply chain and everything he's doing, and he canceled it. Is this amateur yep. hour or what? I mean, this could, yeah, well, I expect that for President Trump when he had a lot of rookies in there, never been to the White House before. Mm-hmm. I would have I kind of expected stuff like that, but not for people with all this experience. What do you think's really happening? Well, I think that the expert class is turning out to uh, not uh, actually have a lot of expertise. Uh, they've they really are not prepared for this moment, which is amazing considering how much time that they did have to prepare for it and how much experience they have. Uh, in government work. Uh, but I also think, again, this goes to the idea of, you know, does Joe Biden really know what's going on? Does he really have leadership uh, capacity within the White House? Uh, or is this a situation where, you know, Ron Klain, the chief of staff, is basically just running things uh, and, and Joe's just signing off on it? Uh, it doesn't give people confidence uh, about us being headed in the right direction to see all these things happening and not feel like we have a commander in chief who's on top of it. And I think that's true regardless of your partisan affiliation. I know plenty of Democrats and a ton of independents who have enormous questions right now mm-hmm. about uh, Biden's capacity to lead. And that's not even about you know mental capacity or age or anything like that. It's just, can this guy do this job? And they're very worried about it for a lot of reasons because it's starting to impact their lives. And they, they, were, they thought that everything would be over by now. Uh, and they really feel like right. things are going in the wrong direction. And you notice he's always alone. Real quick, do you think President Trump is going to run? Who do, what do your sources say? <laughs> you know, I have, I have sources who've told me emphatically both sides of this, that no, he's not doing it. He's just going to dabble with it. And yes, he's definitely doing it. I think he's having fun with the idea of doing it. Uh, but I think this is way too early to tell. Coming out of the midterms, 
Uh, you could see him basically uh, declare victory without having to feel like he could do it again, not running the risk potentially of losing an election, but it could also give him the momentum, the feeling that, hey, this is a vindication uh, and I need to mount a comeback. And obviously, I think uh, if he tries to do that, that the path is, is there for him to win the nomination and win it handily. Yeah, win the nomination for sure. Can he, can he uh, get those suburban women and other things? That'll be a, a follow-up conversation. Oh, that's a Honestly, whole yeah. other question. <laughs> right. Uh, hey, Ben, and we'll, we'll have time to talk about it. How do we get your podcast? Uh, head over to foxnewspodcast.com. Uh, my latest conversation is with John McWhorter, author of Woke Religion. Hope people will tune in and, and listen to it. It's very enlightening. Uh, conversation. And remember, if you don't like the podcast, that just means you don't like intelligence. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I, I think that's a great uh, motto for you. Ben Dominic, thanks so much. Uh, thanks so much, Brian. Uh, uh, yeah, when we come back, I'll take your calls and I'll see how intelligent you guys are. And I'm very confident you are. 1-866-408-7669. Educating. Entertaining. Enlightening. You're with Brian Kilmeade. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. I want to talk about the new COVID variant first identified last week in Southern Africa. It's called the Omicron. Travel restrictions can slow the speed of Omicron. The Delta variants and now the Omicron. So even before Omicron... President Biden is urging Americans to remain calm as the world learns more about the Omicron COVID variant. Omicron. So that's the way you say it. Omicron, yes. Yeah. I call it Omicron. I'm calling it everything. I think it's, uh, by the way, evidently it was supposed to be, uh, sound like President Xi. Yep. And they changed it because it sounded too much like the people that actually started this virus. They didn't want to offend them. Got to protect the Chinese. Why don't people ever worry about offending Americans? A little curious about that. Um, I find it very strange. Hey, coming up shortly, five-time National Coach of the Year, Bill Snyder will be with us. He made a name in Kansas State. He's got a book out about his career, overcoming cancer and things to that nature. It's going to be inspiring, informational, because right now, a lot of things going on in college sports. Number one, it's full. the stadiums are full. Student bodies going crazy. Not a mask to be found. Oops, 110,000, no positive cases. In Alabama, selling out stadium after stadium, Auburn too. Doesn't really matter. It turns out no big deal on campus, but it hasn't stopped. Uh, it hasn't caught notice because it's good news. We don't like good news, I guess. So keep in mind, too, this weekend I'll be in Punta Vedra talking about the president of Freedom Fighter. Then Saturday, I'll be over in Clearwater Sunday, McLean, Virginia. So if you're in the vicinity, come. And if you can't make it into Punta Vedra, sold out. But if you want to take a two-hour ride, you'll be in Clearwater. I think there are a couple of tickets left, a few tickets left. So you can go get them now, reserve them for you. And then we'll know to go over here. The president's about Abraham Lincoln, Frederick Douglass, and that battle to save America's soul. We take a break from history, a break from the news. We talk about sports as it becomes news with a coaching legend, Bill Snyder, next. You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. Don't move. Radio that makes you think. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Kansas State University, the architect of perhaps the greatest coaching job of our generation, Coach Bill Snyder from Kansas State. He becomes only the fourth coach to earn induction into the College Football Hall of Fame while still actively leading a program, joining Bobby Bowden, 
John Gallardi, and Joe Paterno. He holds the distinction as the winningest coach in Kansas State history, and he claims the spot as the 14th fastest coach in college football history to win 100 games. Two Big 12 championships, 16 of the school's 18 bowl appearances have come under the watch of Bill Snyder. Big 8 and Big 12 Coach of the Year combined seven times and finished in the top 20 a dozen times. Coach Bill Snyder, congratulations, now a member of the Hall of Fame. And no doubt about it, he was going there. Those accolades are tremendous, especially when you consider where Kansas State was before he got there. Bill Snyder's got his autobiography out. It's called My Football Life and the Rest of the Story. Uh, Joining us now, uh, Kansas State superstar football coach, the former, uh, Bill Snyder. Uh, Coach, welcome. Well, thank you very much, Brian. That's uh, very kind words. You guys read well. <laughs> but I'll tell you this. Uh, what was it like knowing that you earned every sentence in that introduction about your career? Does it? Can you help but reflect when that moment happens? You go in the Hall of Fame and then people lift a, just rip off all your accomplishments? Well, it's, uh, you know, it's humbling, uh, no doubt about, uh, about that. But uh, I think what gets lost in the, you know, in the dialogue is, you know, it, it takes an awful lot of people to accomplish, you know, very positive things. And I've been fortunate and blessed to be around, you know, wonderful people in my life. And certainly here at Kansas State and a lot of wonderful young student athletes, uh, a lot of wonderful coaches and faculty members, uh, administration, etc., and a fan base that uh, is second to none. So as good a coach as you are when you first took over Kansas State, uh, they were losing. But did you ask for commitments from the administration before you took over the program that gave you a chance to be successful? <laughs> well, <laughs> that is real. That's a story in its own. Uh, well, I, you know, I did. Uh, Steve Miller was our athletic director at the time, and he desperately wanted things to be right. And uh, he was uh, a very aggressive uh, athletic director. And uh, promised the world, <laughs> and, and you know it was a very interesting story because you know he, and and all I wanted was uh, you know things that would benefit the young people in our program. Right. And uh, there was uh, work being done, or I say work being done. I had requested that they uh, do some reconstruction in our uh, facility to benefit our players, you know, locker rooms and et cetera. And uh, so they started on it. And uh, one day uh, I could hear no construction work taking place. And I called our athletic director and I said, Steve, uh, they've stopped working. Uh, Anything wrong? Anything I can do? And he said, well, he said, we've run out of money. (laughs) And so that uh, that was kind of, uh, the nature of where Kansas State was at the time. Wow. I mean, they just really didn't have anything. But uh, uh, we found a wonderful uh, family that uh, put up some money. And I told him I'd pay for it. I didn't have any money. I didn't have enough, but I promised him I would I would take care of it. Uh, and that kind of embarrassed him. So he went out and uh, pounded the pavement and raised the money. And uh, then we got back on track again. Didn't happen right away. Uh, September 30th, 1989 was your first win. Uh, you beat Kent, mm-hmm. North Texas 2017. Here's how it sounded. Cut 32. Kansas State trailing 17-14. And here comes the final play of the game. The quarterback is straw. Takes the snap. 
Back to throw, North Texas rushing, near side pass to Hernandez! He got it! He got it! He got it! Touchdown! Touchdown! Touchdown, K-State! K-State wins! K-State wins! Touchdown on the final play of the game to Hernandez! What it is! What it is! It's a big, 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 big touchdown! <laughs> Coach, what do you think? I heard you laughing through that. What were you thinking? You remember? Well, I was... I, yes. Uh, well, just now I was thinking about uh, the broadcaster. That's uh, <laughs> Mitch Holtus. You know, and Mitch is, uh, does the Kansas City Chiefs now, has been with them for quite some time. And he's uh, an amazing fellow and uh, and a very excitable announcer. But, uh, you know, I was thinking at the time uh, on the field, I, I was I was so excited for uh, our fan base. Uh, I mean, there weren't very many people there, but every single one of them ended up on the field. I was uh, so happy for the young people that were in the program because not a single one of them had ever played in a ball game while they were at Kansas State University in which they had won. So that was their first victory of all time for them. So it was uh, it was. Uh, Again, kind of a humbling experience, but it was it was fun to watch right. and see the reactions of all those people that had suffered through so much. So as you start uh, turning this program around, there are certain wins that stand out. I imagine this one does. Uh, this is uh, your, your team defeats Nebraska for the first time since 19, between 1969 and 1997. You had not beaten them. Uh, and here is November 14th, 1998. How it sounded, cut 33. Crouch in a shotgun, takes a snap, looks downfield, being rushed, gets hit, comes away from one man, gets hit as he throws the football, it's loose, picked up by Jeff Kelly. Kelly at the 20, 15, 10, Kelly to the 5, dives, did he get in? Yes, touchdown, Jeff Kelly, Kansas State, leads 40 to 30, the fans are storming the field. You know, it's been said that K-State would never beat Nebraska. It was unthinkable. It's been 29 years that K-State has have to watch the Red fans go home with a win. Well, today, the cut of choice is purple as K-State has beaten Nebraska for the first time in Manhattan since 1959. They went it 40-30, to 30, and it is party time in Manhattan. Was it party time for you after that? Well, it's, uh, you know, it was, uh, again, it was a night game, and, uh, you know, you start right in trying to assess the ball game, watch videotape, and uh, you got to get to some sleep at some time, and the next morning you're up thinking about the the right. game to come. So the answer is uh, is no. And uh, you know, as much as you'd like to, and uh, and all, it just uh, just doesn't fit in the right. in the profession. So but, you don't but, get a chance to, to 20, do that. Twenty nine years is a long time. Bill Snyder, our guest, five time National Coach of the Year, three Big Eight uh, Coach of the Year championships, four Big Twelve Coach of the Year. Uh, awards author of this brand new uh, brand new book Bill Snyder my football life and the rest of the story just about you uh, the impact of your mom on the coach you became and the person you are well uh, most amazing you know individual in my life and uh, you know she uh, raised me uh, as a uh, uh, single parent my, my mother and father separated when I was uh, uh, very very young and uh, my mother worked uh, 12 hours a day, six days a week uh, at a department store to uh, raise enough money for me to be able to go to college. Uh, my mother never drove an automobile in her life, never had a driver's license. 
And so we lived in downtown St. Joseph, Missouri, so that she could walk to work where she was employed. And my mother was four foot nine inches tall. She never weighed 100 pounds in her life. And she was the strongest person I've ever known in my life. And she guided me and directed me and uh, gave me, she gave me a, a wonderful opportunity in uh, in life. So I uh, lost her uh, and, uh, when she was 77 years old. And uh, it's, uh, anyway, it, it's, uh, it's emotional just to right. think about it right now. Lay the foundation. Yeah, and then you always uh, talk about six. Right, you always talk about sixteen mm-hmm. core values. You want to run through a couple? Well, uh, you know, it, uh, it there there could be fifty there, and uh, those are uh, intrinsic values. The same thing that you teach your children and everyone else does. It was just a matter of being able to. Uh, to get young people in our program and young people not in our program as well, but just anyone that uh, uh, would lend an ear to realize that it's not just the words. You know, you uh, have been around sports locker rooms, uh, et cetera, and you see, you know, some of the same words, you know, consistency or discipline or hard work, you know, uh, whatever it happens to be, but they're, you know, you find them everywhere. But in most cases, they're just words, and you have to have your own interpretation, and you read it, and you say, okay, I should go work hard, and then yeah. you go on about your business. But we uh, we put great emphasis on each and every one of those, and every single day, you know, I spoke with our players, met with our team uh, twice a day, every day uh, throughout the year, and I would uh, always address, you know, one or two of those core values Mm -hmm. and would uh, go into depth about what they meant and how you could uh, uh, bring them into your lives. Gotcha. And I would have the players speak to them as well. And so it was continual and it was always on their minds and it was always there and there was always uh, it was always something more than just a word. Gotcha. And so there was great value in it for us. Coach, a couple of things. I, I know this is his player likeness. Uh, players can now, to a degree, get paid if there's a dealership or if there's a Gatorade is going to pay, I understand, is going to sponsor a, a female basketball player now. And I understand that different mm-hmm. players, Nebraska is maybe ahead of the game with this, player likeness, uh, name and likeness, uh, are now mm-hmm. part of college sports. So to a degree, they can get paid if they're an entrepreneurial or if some boosters could provide some uh, some access for them to represent some companies. How do you feel about that? Well, I I have some mixed emotions. Uh, I think, number one, uh, you know, players deserve some help. Uh, the time commitment is amazing, you know, when you get into collegiate athletics. Uh, but I also... Uh, am uh, definitely opposed to uh, the uh, oh the way that it has uh, has started out. You know where uh, you know a young person, as you just mentioned, can go out and uh, uh, you know cut a deal, so to speak. Uh, he can get uh, you know two hundred fifty thousand. Another guy can go out and get a million and. Uh, 
it creates, in my eyes, it creates a great uh, separation uh, within a program. Uh, you take, uh, yes, I mean, your quarterback can probably go out and get what he wants, or your star running back, an offensive lineman, uh, probably gets nothing. Uh, nobody wants to uh, tout uh, an offensive lineman. and <clears throat> But they're just I, as important. Soon, uh, <laughs> if not more so. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so, sooner or later, uh, those guys are going to look at each other and say, why are we blocking for this guy behind us? And, uh, you know, it, uh, it it just creates some problems. I think uh, you mentioned Nebraska, and I think Nebraska made uh, – you know, some good decisions. If I remember correctly, or if I read correctly, uh, they have uh, brought money into the program and dispersed it equally to every player in the program, whether they were uh, third team or second team or a starter or the star, right. whatever the case may be. It was equal for all of them. That I can buy into. Gotcha. Um, this is some stories out today uh, that looks like that. Uh, it looks like Notre Dame's uh, coach is going to be leaving, going mm-hmm. to uh, going over to LSU. Does that surprise you? Uh, I well, it wasn't something I expected to read uh, or hear about this morning. But uh, uh, the answer is probably no, because nothing in uh, collegiate football surprises me anymore. Uh, you know, I uh, we. You know, we talk to young people about, you know, loyalty and not getting in the transfer portal, <clears throat> which I think is the wrong thing to do. But yet here as coaches, we turn around and uh, go to the highest bidder. Uh, so uh, I, I I think there's it's really creating some, some problems. And, you know, here guys are signing contracts for, you know, $10 million a year. Uh, you know, and it doesn't mean that, uh, you know, Coaches don't deserve, you know, a good deal of money, but by the same token, it, uh, you know, it just seems like it gets out of hand and, and sends yeah. a bad message to young people in, in our programs. Yeah, Brian Kelly to LSU. We'll see what happens next for Fighting Irish, who have been perennial winners under him, which is not easy. They have mm-hmm. high academic standards. Uh, Bill Snyder, congratulations on your great career, your great book. Um, and everything you've accomplished, people can learn a lot from it, even if you don't coach, even if you want to be a better parent. My football life and the rest of the story. Best of luck, uh, Coach. Well, thank you very much, Brian. I appreciate it, and I do want you to know that uh, uh, I watch you uh, regularly. When my wife will let me have TV, she watches CNN, So, right. <laughs> but I watch you. you got to take control of that relationship, Coach. Uh, you're right. <laughs> That's a hard thing to do. I know. Uh, 215 wins, 117 losses, one tie, and you always lose to Mr. Snyder. Bill Snyder, thanks so much. Thank you. you Bye-bye, Brian. All right, best of luck. Uh, when we come back, we'll wrap things up. you listen to The Brian Kilmeade Show. Educating. Entertaining. Enlightening. You're with Brian Kilmeade. More to know. Sponsored by Oxford Gold Group. Call 833-600-GOLD to secure your retirement. I used to walk around New York City all the time with these on. Uh-huh. And this is pre-pandemic, and I was on the subway, 11.45, to pick Leah up downtown at Russian school, and I got held up at knife point. Whoa, that, when? The October before the March pandemic hit. But I realized I had gotten way, way too comfortable in this city. <laughs> 
Like, like when, just... my guard was down. Because <laughs> of the headphones. Yeah, well, the headphones, yeah, yeah. May, you know, the, well, that takes away one sensory guidepost, yeah. gone, you yeah. know? And then you wear sunglasses and a hat, like, because you're trying to be incognito, but no one knows who you are anyway, so it doesn't matter. So I'm like that, and I'm all the way at the end of the subway, and, and I felt somebody coming up, and I thought, oh, they want to take a photo or something. And then sure. as I turn, I'm literally like this, I'm like I'm up against the post, and then I like turn, <laughs> and I look down and I see a knife, like a knife probably that big a knife. I'm going to say that's four and a half inches. No, maybe I'm exaggerating. Maybe like two and a half, two and a half, three okay. inches. Like a pocket yeah. knife. Yes, with okay. a wooden handle. I remember thinking, oh. like, oh, it's a nice knife. So that is Bradley Cooper talking about being way too much comfortable in the city. What was he on? So he was on um, Doc Shepard's Armchair Expert uh, podcast. And he sort of, they were just talking in general about like wearing headphones and how it blocks things out. And he just stumbled upon that story. They're like, wait, you've never mentioned that you've been held up at knife point before? And he sort of goes on thinking he thought it was a nice knife. And then um, he sort of pushed the guy away, chased, like, chased him out of the subway, got a few pictures. And then when he talked to the cops, they're like, have you been stabbed? He's like, why are you even asking me that? But he says, I guess, with the adrenaline rush, so many times people get stabbed and they don't even know it. So thankfully he didn't get stabbed and all was fine. But uh, he then got back on the subway to go pick up his daughter after that. That was it. That was it. But yeah, I mean, Bradley Cooper, he was so unrecognizable. Someone tried to... Uh, steal from him with a very nice knife. Wow. Yeah, I get, but is he from Philadelphia anyway? He might be, so but... he's used to being uh, threatened, probably. Clearly, right? Yeah. in Philly, that's how yeah, it goes. Yeah, they didn't even know who they had they at didn't. that point. But uh, now the city got really dangerous since then, so it was a great story. Thanks so much for listening. Brian Kilmeade, go to briankilmeade.com or to President Freedom Fighter. The Will Cain Show is now dropping five episodes a week. Join Fox and Friends weekend host Will Cain as he tackles the latest headlines from his unique perspective, along with thought-provoking interviews with leading figures and live calls from viewers and listeners. Listen wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.